Hello everyone and welcome to Creative Psychopaths, a horror movie podcast. It's It's been a year since I've been doing this, or we've been doing this, Matthew. I think I've still got about six months on you. Oh, well, You've got six months on me. Uh, true, but you're still part uh, part ownership of this. I've been wondering, um, is it a birthday or is it an anniversary? Because that's going to be, it's going to be based whether we have cake and candles or some sort of paper gift. I'm going to say we're like the Queen and we have two birthdays. Oh, we have two birthdays. Oh, excellent. Yeah, we've got your your birthday and my birthday for it. Oh, lovely. I've cut, well, yeah, so this would be my birthday. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to... Can I have some Lego? You can have some Lego. Lovely. Um, so... Oh, that should be a question later. We'll save that for a future episode. What horror Lego would you have? Oh, that'd be a good yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, oh, we're going off track already. So, um... This week we're doing Scream 1996, and finally it'll become clear why the podcast is called the name it's called. Um, but what is it called, Mark? For if you wanted to find it on the social medias, for example, it's called Creative Psychopaths. If you wanted to find it on the social medias, for example, like and Facebook and Instagram, and it sounds like the type of thing that would be nice to have a, a Facebook group for. It would be. It, it, luckily for us, we have a lovely Facebook group um, with a lovely collection of people on there. And we'd like to have more collections of people on there. Um, if I was a listener, I would definitely join. <laughs> lovely. Well, um, let's crawl through a tiny clap flap and get this uh, podcast started then. Let's do it. Welcome to Creative Psychopaths, a horror movie podcast. And, of course, the world's premier kitchen for horror sandwiches. What are those horror sandwiches? Well, it's topic, movie topic, or something movie topic. Whatever. Look, it's a sandwich. We're like a really obnoxious bakery where we always have the same filling of movie and we just muck around with breads. Yes, we do. Sometimes it's a sourdough and sometimes it's a... I was going to say pitter. I was going to say pitter as well. A whole pitter on one side and a sourdough loaf on the other. (laughs) The worst sandwich in the world. Anyway, everyone, my name's Mark and this here is Matthew. And happy birthday, Mark. Oh, thank you, thank you. It's it's the it's the podcast's birthday, really. But and what what are we going to do this week? I'll I'll tell you what we're going to do this week. We've got we're going to. Go back over the questions that we normally ask people and pick out episodes from the podcast which fit those. Don't worry, that'll make more sense later. And because the first episode was the newest Scream, we're going to be covering 1996's Scream. The OG. Yeah, the OG. Original giver of death. <laughs> yes, yeah. So that's going to be exciting. Um I've been quite pleased this week because I found out that um, have you ever heard of like an old YouTube show called "Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared"? I I do know that one, and I I hope you're going to say what I hope you're going to say next. Well, I, I sort of recently, well, not recently, actually a few weeks ago, discovered that there was a "Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared" TV series on Channel Four. I saw it come up on my Channel 4 thing a while ago, but I thought, oh, they're, they're just showing the YouTube videos on Channel 4 for some reason, and then I discovered that it's an actual TV show. No, they get they gave them a whole sitcom budget for it, didn't they? Yeah, and it is fucking amazing. I absolutely love it. It's my kind of humour, which is sort of... It's quite British, isn't it, in its way, and also very, very random. Very random. Um, also, you know, quite quite dark and quite emotional at times as well yes yeah it's um it's certainly i'm bringing it up here because it's certainly a horror thing um uh, if you don't know what it is they are puppets and originally the sort of premise was that it was some sort of 
kids TV series, or at least that's how it starts out. But um, I honestly think I could probably sing that song off the top of my head still from the the, the first uh, the first ever YouTube short. I, I'm not going to, but I think I probably could. I'd hazard a guess that I could do nearly all of them because I became very obsessed with it the first time round. And when the last episode came out, me and my friend went to the pub specifically so we could sit and watch it as it came out live. Um, and the last episode was really weird because it was like it sort of steps outside of the formula. Um but yeah, so uh, anybody who, who is uh, can get on all four. I don't know if it's available on in other countries. I'm I'm not sure. Um, I mean, there must be a, a very probable network sort of thing that the has the same be. initials as that that would let you get on all four. Yes. <laughs> ah, some kind of. Yes, very good. Well done. Well done, you. No, that, was, that was bad. I couldn't think of an acronym. <laughs> but choose a VPN if you can't get it up, wherever you are. Yeah, VPN, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I I, I got you, but yeah, no, you're right. Um, I thought Very Probable Network was pretty damn good. I think well, uh, that's because you're nice. Yeah, I think you've uh, you, you swung and you've, you've, you've hit it there. Uh, yes, yeah, so get on with that. Don't hug me, I'm scared. Uh, that was an absolute delight. Um... So we're going to do uh, what I hope is going to become an annual awards ceremony now, um, where we're going to be talking through some of the films that we've covered over the year and uh, which ones fit the question categories. Don't worry, I think that'll make more sense when I get started. So Yeah, we're just going to, to answer the usual questions, but the, the pool of movies to, to choose from isn't going to be all horror films. It's just going to be the films that we've covered on the pod. Thank you. Well done. It's, it's a good job you're here to explain what my my brain knows what it wants to say, but it doesn't. <laughs> the, the words get mixed up as they come out. The, th- uh, the thing is, for me, I've I've narrowed it even further uh, to films that I, I've completely discarded episodes that I've not been on, and also episodes that I didn't. That, sorry, episodes where I chose the film. So I've got an even smaller pool to pick from well i um have vaguely done that apart from one of them which is specifically an episode that i chose um but we'll get to that so well the first question is what's the scariest movie okay do you want to go first or do you want me to do you know what i'll go first because you like this i went for ghost stories oh um, doing a little celebratory dance there yeah uh, I was going back through all the episodes, well, not listening to them all, because that would be ridiculous. Um, and I think, you know, Hell House LLC, you know, is one of my scariest, but I didn't want to pick one that I'd had. And Ghost well, Story- you, you know what, Mark? What? I picked Hell House LLC. All right, okay. So we'll we'll pat each other on the back. That works out nicely, yeah. From yeah. the side, because obviously we can't hug each other because we're scared. <laughs> But uh, no, um, yeah, I really liked Ghost Stories. I remember it was one of my favourite episodes at the time when we did it anyway. Um, but it was, um, yeah, just a really, just a really great, um, really great movie. And it's, it's scary and catches you off guard as well. So yeah, good movie. Uh, okay. Well, I'm, I'm pleased to hear you say that. Yeah. We still have to... Uh find the showing of the play as well so we can yes that would be really great we can yeah. get to that mm. uh right so you so what gets your award for best kill so if you remember when i did this question last time i chose the wicker man as, as the best kill from from horror yeah and i think i've, I've twigged what my my uh jammies for kills and i think a, a huge build up to something i don't know spectacular something impactful and dramatic and i've i've gone for another film where the kill is the only kill in the film but because it's been built up so much it is it feels massive so i have gone for creep right yeah yeah that's a good one that is a good one yeah, so it's 
in terms of you know the sorts of kills that we get on here, it's not your know, gory, it's not you know visually all that interesting, but it's like in terms of the where it sits in the film, it is just incredible. It's like this whole like this, this whole hour and twenty minute film is just it's for this. This is your your movie right here in this one scene. Yeah, no, oh, it's, it's a really, really good shout, that, isn't it? it? Well, it comes out of nowhere despite expecting it, which is very, <laughs> very odd. Yeah, uh, and, and even in like that, that last little bit when you, you see you see him walk over to the you know the guy sat on the bench, he, he walks over with the axe, and you, you know what's going to happen, but then he, he still waits that moment, puts the mask on, takes his huge wind up, and then just buries the axe just in his head and it is and you still go oh (laughs) that happened (laughs) yeah it still it still somewhat takes you by surprise even though you you know exactly what's happening as well you know yeah yeah it's a good one yeah yeah really great kill yeah well um i've got a sort of nomination as well as an actual one because um because i'm a pain and can't pick just one uh so my nomination is the lawyer in 13 ghosts who gets himself a, a glass door between him between his middle yeah and splits in half which it's it's not the angle you think it is is it that's that's what's clever about that kill no it's uh, straight up uh, but the actual one that uh, I think is brilliant is um Sarah Michelle Geller in I know what you did last summer because that it it's such an there's there's nothing particularly violent about it, um, but she's so close to say to being saved. Um, I don't know if you've you, I'm sure you will have seen that, but um, there's something so visceral about it because she's so close to um, getting away, like she's steps away from getting out into the main street where there's like a parade or whatever or something like that. It just, um, it's very, but also I think because she's Buffy as well, it's <laughs> because you see her in such a weakened state, it, it does something else. But yeah, I think I really like that one. Really like I, it. I'm so just well, everything that you're saying here is some, what I think is probably going to come up shortly <laughs> uh, on the, uh, on the film we're covering later. All right. Okay. <laughs> So, not this specifically, but what this what that kill borrowed liberally from. So, special effects. I guess I'll go first on this one. Like you said, I haven't chosen one that I would have chosen because uh, I probably would have gone to the fly. But um, I have chosen Wishmaster um, because despite it not being a fantastic film, it's an effect a loser. Um, it's very fun with its effects as well, isn't it? It is, yeah. There's some uh, there's some great transformation bits. There's people turning... The, the, a person in it rips out of their skin, like their skeleton rips out of their skin. It's real fun. So, yeah, it's, um, well, directed by an effects man, so, you know... Yeah, I think that's uh, yeah, that is a good chance, and I think it's uh, you know, it, the the whole the whole premise I think is designed to to just get those effects in, isn't it? Yeah, because it's it's not a film that's that's written for you know impactful meaning or you know emotional discovery. It's this film where we just go right, let's have some fun making weird shit. Yeah. Yeah, and, for sure. And that that's where that's where the fun lies in that film. Yeah, I really liked that one actually. I enjoyed that episode too. I mean, I've enjoyed all the episodes, but I remember really enjoying that one because we just had such good fun with it. I don't well, think... I'm I'm going to go to, for a very different film then. Okay. Uh because and, and technically I didn't choose this one. Uh so I'm going for let the right one in for this. Okay, all right. Because this one is like I think the success of it all lies in the subtlety. Mm. Like, there isn't much that is like big special effects in it, but there's like the you know the bit where Ely's 
turns into an old lady while she's feeding, feeding, like how she doesn't leave footprints and you know, the little bit where she's on the side of the hospital. It's all, it's all in the fringes. And uh, does this category include sound as well? Or are we just talking visual? I don't mind. Because like all of Ely's dialogue is ADR'd. Of course. Yeah. Like, it is, all yeah. of it. And, and I didn't know that until researching for the episode and I'd seen the film half a dozen times, you know, <laughs> it's like crazy good. Yeah. You wouldn't know. You wouldn't know unless you knew. That's for sure. Yeah. So that's good I, too. I'm going for that one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so sequel then. Uh, uh, sequel. I'm going to go for Event Horizon. Oh, that was that was that was my sh- on my short list was Event Horizon. Um, yeah, I thought, but I didn't. I didn't choose Event Horizon. Um, I think I, it's it's a very easy one to do. I think, wouldn't it? You know, there's. Like, it, it, would, it would be so easy to write, up. yeah, 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 because it is just Hellraiser in space, really. So yeah, you could easily, you could easily do that. Yeah, I, I, I must admit that, like I say, that was on my um, shortlist. But what I did do was this is the one where I cheated and chose my own film. I want a sequel to Leslie Vernon. Okay, yeah, <laughs> no, I, get, they're, they're trying, aren't they? Bless them again. Uh, set up at the end, so you know. <laughs> it, yeah, it, I think the the also the problem that we've got with this category specifically is that so many of the films do have sequels, don't they? Yeah, yeah. You know, I in mean, some but cases, does, too many. But that doesn't mean you can't have a sequel, another sequel. I, I'm quite happily have that, another yeah. Friday Thirteenth movie, <laughs> or maybe just a different sequel to the first one. Yeah, maybe we, we yeah. could have chosen Saw and asked for them to go in a different direction. You know, where they made yeah. good movies instead. Yeah, well, I did consider um, a sequel to Dream Warriors because um, while I think Nightmare Four is, it's well, it is a sequel and it does include some of them. It doesn't; it's not exactly a sequel to Dream Warriors, and I think it would have been interesting to see see that. I don't know. Uh, hmm, lovely. So, what we are now? Is it the worst now? Ugh. So I think I know what you're going to say for this one. I don't think you do. Um, so, so are you not going to say the frighteners? No, I'm not going to say the frighteners. Wow. No. no. Okay. I'm I'm sh- I'm surprised by that one. No, uh, I am going for the Watcher in the Woods. Okay. Uh, which I it was the only it was I think it was the only film really that that, that did nothing for me, um, like. The most interesting thing about Watcher of the Woods was the history of it, um, but the film itself was just there was just nothing to it. Um, again, it was a really really great episode. I, um, God, I used to read, oh Will, I believe it was Will Will Net on on that one, and we had a great episode uh, talking about it. And um, but yeah, I think if I will complain about my own podcast, I'm I sort of. Some of these movies were ruined a bit by me having to write out the plot for them, and Watcher in the Woods was really unenjoyable to write out the plot for. Just, <laughs> just sort of meanders along, and nothing really seems to happen. Um, so this will yeah. be a category that's much harder next year, then. Yes, yeah, it will be. Yeah, for sure, because um, I've much enjoyed, I've much more enjoyed watching movies since we stopped doing that, um, and I think I might have enjoyed the frighteners more if I knew I wasn't doing that. Um although I think you did that plot really I did that one, yeah. <laughs> no, but even even so the fact that we've that we've changed it up has made watching the movies more enjoyable. Um I think that I go into the, the films now just kind of looking for stuff to enjoy about them. Yes. Rather than yeah. sort of recounting what happens in them. Yeah, which is which is good, but but I I now like my notes will be like bullet points and stuff like that rather than having to, you know. So yeah, um, so that that didn't help the Watcher in the Woods. I think I may have enjoyed it more if I'd known that I could have just watched it and enjoyed it. But, um, yeah, no, it isn't the Frighteners. It's that one. I think I gave it a shit at the time. Um, 
Whereas I think Will gave it a creative psychopath. So um, this is uh, this is a film that I've only known about from listening to the pod, and I didn't watch it half <laughs> the strength of it. So maybe I have to now. Maybe, maybe. Uh, yeah. So what was your worst? So the ac- the actual worst film that we've watched, I think, would probably be Lake Placid. But right, yeah, like that. It, it's it's good, bad, isn't it? It's have a fun, laugh at this bad movie, bad. So I think the actual worst film for me is Thirteen Ghosts. Oh right, okay, right. I just yeah, it. I don't know. I I I liked everyone who's in it, and like some of the design was good. It had that really good kill that you mentioned earlier, but something about it which. I might talk about later. Actually, I might save this for uh, for something that we'll we'll get to in a bit. Mm-hmm. But there's there's just something about it. Just just did not nothing in it came together for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, with Thirteen Ghosts as well as it's it left you wanting because um, we've said a few times I think coming up now that um, the most interesting bit was the ghosts, and I think that would have been you know. Yeah, and I, I think uh, it feel, felt to me like a film where they've gone, you know, we, we've got this this old film. It's called Thirteen Ghosts. We need to do something with it, uh, and they they wrote backwards rather than yeah, someone having a good idea and and going through with it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was. Um... But like you said last week on, on Pearl episode that there's. There could probably be a really good TV series. Yeah, you know, I, made I around so. that. I really think. I really think that they should could do that. You know, um, you you would need more than thirteen episodes, I think, for it. But yeah, you know, you, there could be a really good, you know, eighteen part series about it. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. So not all hope is lost. No. No. It, well, I think. It, the thing is about Thirteen Ghosts is it's a really well loved film. Um, I think we both feel very similar about it. I don't think I. It certainly wasn't my worst, but um, I think we both felt very similar about it. Yeah. So, oh, last one then. Before this is the first slice of bread nearly out of the way out at these awards. Um, so, what was the best? I will allow honourable mentions here if you'd like. Oh well, we'd we'd be here for it. We've we've covered a lot of very good, uh, and if not good, very fun films here. Yeah, uh, and a lot of films that I would say are are classics of the genre. So I'll go. I'll I'll, I'll just go through a few honorable mentions. Then. So I think I love Demons, uh, mm-hmm. Hell House LLC, another one. Yeah. Uh, what else we got? Yeah, Leslie Vernon's one that stands out. Uh, Creep, uh, Saint Maud. Uh, but the one that I'm going to say is, in a very, very unoriginal way, the best film we've covered is Alien. Yeah. Uh, do you know what? I didn't even write Alien on my uh, on my list of honourables. That's a bit of. A, I'll, I'll I'll basically sign up to that one too. <laughs> Yeah, it's it, it's an all time classic, isn't it? And it you know it's there for it's considered as such for a reason. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, I was listening to another podcast, one of my favorites, um, and they were doing their top thirty, and Alien appeared in both of their top thirties, and I was like, yeah, that is a good movie. <laughs> so yeah. they should make a sequel to that one, shouldn't they? Really. Yeah, they should, but... And then you know. stop at two. All yeah. of them after that have been bad. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I've got I've got a soft spot for Resurrection. Uh, yeah, I have uh, a bit of a soft spot for Resurrection. Um, I, to be, I think I might be the only one I've not seen, actually. Oh, really? So it was the fourth one, wasn't it, Resurrection? Yeah, yeah. I quite like Alien Resurrection. It's got some it's got some really fun Brad Dourif moments in it. Um which um yeah. Are definitely amusing. Anyway, we'll 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 get to it one day. We'll get to it. I'm sure we'll come up with a 
with a reason to do more alien films. Early um, in April. Early in April. I'm good at go. these month things. Yeah. I've, I've realised that's my skill for the pod. <laughs> right, so my couple of honourable mentions are um, Theatre of Blood, which I spoke to Nick about, and that was... Um, well, you know what? I just had the actor's name in my head and now it's gone. Um, the Vincent Price one, wasn't it? Thank you very much. Yeah. It was in my head and then went, oh, you don't need that information. Um, the guy from the Thriller song. Yeah. But uh, uh, Theatre of Blood, I really liked. Um, it's got different uh, kinds of um, kills in it. It's funny. It's very British. Um, I enjoyed it. Um, it took me by surprise. Again, I probably would have enjoyed it more had I known I wasn't going to write out a thing for it. But, uh Yeah. I've taken some of that into account, though, when I've chosen some of these. Um, the other second honourable mention is La Llorona, which I spoke to Mike about. I love that film. Really enjoyed it. Um, that was the first time. The thing is, I probably said this when I was... Right, hang on. Let me just get onto my best, and then I'll go back. So the best film is Let the Right One In. Um, that's been my favourite one. Um, but I remember in the Let the Right One In episode, I remember saying that, you know... I think that's probably the first time I've noticed that a movie can be art as well. But I think actually it was probably La Llorona really for that one because that one's got some amazing shots. Um, the same as like Let the Right One In. But yeah, um, uh, I don't I don't want to keep whiffling on. But yeah, be- the best was Let the Right One In. And I, I love the story, um, but... I couldn't convey it properly in the episode and probably still can't now, but um, it was just so much like, uh, to me, so much of it was like looking at being in an art gallery and and looking at different things and and the fact that people can get different interpretations out of the whole thing, you know, like when you talk to people or I've listened to a few podcasts about it, people have got such differing views on what the movie's about Um and it's beautiful to look at too. So just um, you know, an all round five star movie. Uh and and you know, you brought that one to my attention. So, you know. Yeah, uh, I feel somewhat buttered up from hearing your selections. I feel uh I feel very validated. Yeah, yeah. Well, well done you. I bring the scares and I bring the feels. You do, you do. Yeah. No, um, Hopefully this. Well, I think I brought your scares, so that works out. <laughs> yeah, I, I I didn't go for anything with feels for mine because I'm I'm here for chills and chills alone. Yeah, well, I want the chills and uh, <laughs> I mean, let the right one in. It's got those in spades, I'd say. Um, it's very chilly. It's all snowy everywhere. Oh, very good, very good. That that joke was a scream. Talking of screams. Uh, <laughs> anyway, that was a lovely slice of bread. That was the first year of um, us doing an awards ceremony. Uh, I did ask people if they had anything to say about that, but it was a bit late uh, notice. Um, and I don't yeah, we're, we're a bit caught on the hoof today, weren't we? We were caught a little bit on the hoof because unfortunately oh. our guest that we had had fallen ill, which is not really a lot you can do about that. So, Nope. We we do wish him a speedy recovery though, and we uh, certainly do. We'll we'll be back on schedule very quickly. Hopefully so. Hopefully so. So the filling, Scream, nineteen ninety six. As I said before, um, we're doing Scream because the first episode was the newest Scream that came out, Scream five, and um, so it seemed appropriate to go back in time. Plus. This movie's where I got the name of the podcast from. <laughs> yeah, so you're gonna have to you're gonna have to dish on that. I will, I will. And I'll do that later, eh? Okay. Um, oh, oh sizzle. Oh, even more sizzle. Not really. Uh, so Scream, 1996, directed by Wes Craven, um, and written by Dawson's Creek's own Kevin Williamson. In a budget of 14 to 15 million, that's what I could find. So uh, I wasn't quite sure what the budget was. 
but box office at 173 million, so it was a hell of a success. Uh, originally titled Scary Movie, uh, which is vaguely interesting. I get is that does that count as foreshadowing? Perhaps like real life foreshadowing. Uh, I don't know. No, yes, maybe. You tell me. You're the clever one. Don't don't confuse me. <laughs> I think they just took the name because they they found it and thought it was quite clever. Yeah, it was clever. And actually, Scary Movie, um, we might get to that later, is pretty good too. Um, I quite like Scary Movie. Uh, I don't. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, so Sorry. This movie has Drew Barrymore as Casey Becker, Nev Campbell as Sidney Prescott, David Arquette, Dewey Riley, Courtney Cox, Gail Weathers, Skeet Ulrich as Billy Loomis, Matthew Lillard as Stu Macker, um, Rose McGowan, so. Rose McGowan as Tatum Riley, and Jamie Kennedy as Randy. We might as well start this discussion with the start of this movie, which I think we both potentially agreed is probably the best opening to a horror movie there is. Yeah, I think we said that, didn't we, when we we answered this question? Yeah, yeah, it has and- to be. Yeah, I stand by it. Like when, when we asked that question for the first time, like this was what I went through instinctively, hmm. and then like had you know googled it, had a look through just to jog my memory to think of some more, uh, and I realised you know how many really great opening scenes there are in in horror cinema. Yeah, yeah. And then I just came straight back to this one because as as amazing as all those are, this this still remains the best opening. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, I mean, it took its it took its lead from Psycho slightly by killing off the biggest name in the movie. Yeah, Drew, yeah, Drew, definitely. Drew Barrymore bites it early. Yeah, and well, we'll, we'll I'll get get to that a little bit later. As I say, I, I want to kind of take this scene sort of. Uh, chronologically, so you know, because it starts and it's, you know, it's it's quite playful, isn't it? You know, uh, mm-hmm. the 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 horror, you know, the horror genre had well established it that you've got to open the film with a scare by this point, and this kind of takes a lot longer than most to get to that, you know, because it opens up with you know this sort of a bit of a playful conversation and, you know, I think we all, well, younger listeners might not remember, but most of us remember getting wrong number phone calls. Mm-hmm. And they were this weird source of amusement in the house, weren't there? And someone rang the wrong number, like as if it's this bizarre thing, even though it's, it was so easy to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then it just builds tension so frequently like to the point where they give you a visual symbol of going this this is the tension here so we've got this pan of popcorn we're going to put (laughs) it on the hob and as the scene builds this popcorn's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and then when drew barrymore gets killed it's going to set on fire you know it like it's not subtle at all and it kind of feels showing off going you know, I'm doing this. I'm building tension. I'm telling you, I'm building the tension. You know, what are you going to do about it? Yeah. Wow. And it's phenomenal in how it does it. That's the sort of genius of Wes Craven going there. Um, especially, like you say, to just blatantly shove it in your face, too. Um, and yet still have it be scary. But. You know, credit as well to I think Roger Jackson is the name of of the person who does the actual scream voice because a uh, ghost face voice. Yeah, yeah, go for ghost face voice, ghost face voice, ghost voice, ghost face voice. Because yeah, it, it, it's great, and um, I think if you went into this sort of, I want to say dry, but that doesn't feel right. But if you went into this early, not knowing what you were doing, it would be it would take you back, I think, straight away, because obviously they begin they start by referencing horror movies, um, 
which was something that had obviously never been done in a horror movie was to actually um say oh look this is a thing that happens so but they they also start referencing horror films where the star of the film is the final girl who makes it through to the end and she's the name you know it's oh it's halloween so you think oh you know i know that halloween it's jamie lee curtis she fights michael myers she gets away yeah you know friday the 13th same thing and then she goes, oh no 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 we've got the star we're going to kill the star straight away because this this film isn't like those films it's going to do most of the same things but we're playing with those rules yeah yeah and um I think you were going to say this about this scene anyway, because it's like what I was talking about with Sarah Michelle Gellar. The, 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 the kill here is, um, is, is more visceral in part because she's so close um, to escape. Um, yeah. Like three times as well. Isn't you know, so she, yeah. you know, she, she runs off when the parents are coming. She thinks, Oh, she's going to get away because, because she's the, she's the final girl. She's, this is what her role is. And then she gets stabbed and you think, oh no, he's got her. But then, you know, she fights him off a bit and the parents are home, but she can't scream to them because she got stabbed in the neck. Yeah. You know, and she can't gesture to them. You see, you know, she comes so close, but just gets gets pulled in. She's a goner. And then you get to hear her on the phone, um, sort of dying basically, you know. And then we get that final that final shot before the movie actually starts. Um, it, it sort of throws you right into the deep end, really. Yeah, it's good. Well, I think it it jumps into that straight away, and it's it's something the film plays with quite a lot. In that whole idea that, uh, like, I'd say this is this is a Gen X horror film, isn't ninety six? You know, yeah. That it's like people are desensitized, you need it more extreme. You know, they've had Halloween, they've had Jason, they've had Freddy Krueger, you know, and it's not, it's not enough for you people. You know, you, you're too stone and you're too hard now. You know, we, we need to give you something grim and unpleasant. And like the, the opening kill does that. You know, this, you know, a woman hanging with her entrails hanging out after mm. we've already seen someone with their entrails hanging out. Yeah, yeah, it's um, yeah, an amazing opening. Yeah, yeah you know, that. Yeah, if you you wanted some sort of heightened dark reality, that there it is for you there. <laughs> yeah, so I want to um, well, I want to address something about this movie because we when we spoke about doing it, I actually really didn't want to do it because um, my my brain had put a different movie together. And I think the new scream has ruined that for me a little bit. Um, But just, this is basically the opening sequence. As soon as I put it on and that, the first thing that happens is that phone rings. Um, I I immediately went, Oh no, this is a good movie. Um, And I had in my head that these kids were so, Movies, 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 movies. But actually, I think that's the new one was like that. But this one's actually not so much like that. Randy's very much like that. Um, and maybe Billy and Stu were a bit like that, but it isn't exactly. Um, it, it's, it's there, not, but it doesn't beat you over the head with it, does it? it? It's not that it's not that movie. Like it's sort of it seems like after that, it certainly follows that thing of going, oh, look, movies. Whereas, you know, watching this, I enjoyed it more and more and more as I was going through. Um, and one of the things I really enjoyed about it um, is Ghostface himself is not, um, he's not a Michael Myers, he's not a Jason, he's not a unrelenting uh, killer. You know, you can get away from him, you could kick him in the face. Sometimes right. he, he falls over, you know, like... He's downright slapstick at times, isn't he? You know, <laughs> And yet, it provides a menacing presence. Yeah, definitely. Like the the scene that springs to mind is, uh, well, two two of them slightly. The the bit with Tatum where she thinks that it's just someone playing. Yeah, uh, and she throws a beer at him. And he does the big exaggerated like, what? You know, <laughs> getting the, the 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 beer off him. 
And also when he's uh, chasing Sydney around after he's just killed Billy, you know, and he's doing that sort of big clown shoes run around yeah. on the place. It's just, like, he, he looks silly. Yeah. Yeah, it you looks know, but, stupid. But, you know, the kill count and, you know, the, the menacing times that, you know, that immediately after that scene where he's, he's uh, harassing characters in the cars and stuff, like, they're, they're scary scenes and, you know, he's yeah, a real yeah. menacing killer. Yeah, he is, yeah. Although there were actually a couple of things that I noticed this time and I don't, I don't know if I've not noticed them before, um, but they're really goofy, like, there's one moment where um, Sydney and Tatum are talking and then they go inside the house and then Ghostface sort of sneaks past the trees behind them. And it's like, what's this? <laughs> Why is he there? And then later on when they're in the supermarket and you see him like next to the fridges and it's like, and I think because you know, because we know what it's about, who the killers are, you've got to sort of going, what are they doing? <laughs> <laughs> it's uh yeah you think they're, they're sort of playing with that halloween yeah thing of it yeah yeah because that's what i thought especially when i saw him in the trees because i it's like they've gone oh you know this is halloween except you're you're actually seeing him sidle off yeah um it it, it it it's good it was it was much funnier than i remember it being as well um because scream used to be like my top favorite film i would have said this is my favorite horror film you know besides jaws but I really think, like I say, I think over the years I've dilute, diluted it a bit in my brain because of the other movies. Um, yeah, so so this is the first time that I've I've rewatched Scream after watching all the rest of them. So I'd I'd only seen the the first one, and then know, 12, 18 months or so ago, I watched all the others ready for the new one. Yeah, and. What this film, watching it now, sort of broke into like real clarity for me, just how good all of the characters are in this. Mm-hmm. Like every single character that's given, you know, two minutes of screen time, like they're so well drawn. Mm-hmm. You know exactly who everyone is. Like, you know, and. Well, sort of what I've realized after watching all the others is like the the journeys that these characters go on, which I know it's not this film specifically, but it's incredible. You know, the, like all the way through, the the really they continue to be well drawn, like yes. right the way yeah. to, to present day, which which makes it all the more upsetting that Dewey died in the last one and Neve Campbell's not coming back for for this one. Yeah, I know, I know why she's not and say she's certainly got my backing for it, but mm-hmm. it is like, it is sad that they just couldn't stump up and pay her what she's worth. It, it absolutely is because, um, the other thing I know I've noticed, I noticed about Neve Campbell or it's Sydney, should I say not really Neve Campbell, but Sydney Prescott is she's a fucking good final girl. She, she's never helpless. Is she never helpless? You um, know, she, she puts in that beginning of the film where she's on the phone to Ghostface for the first time. She says, oh, you know, these films are insulting because the women make stupid decisions. And, and like, whenever she's, you know, uh, she immediately runs upstairs after that bit. But it's always, whenever she makes one of those cliche bad decisions, she's she tries the sensible thing first, you know. She says, I'm going to try the, you know, they should run out the front door instead of going upstairs. She goes to the front door. It's locked. She couldn't unlock it in time, so she has to get away a different way. And then she runs upstairs, which she says she shouldn't do. But then she goes to a bedroom, locks that door, and then jams it open with the other door. Yeah. And there you go. She's and then uses a computer to call the police. So she's yeah. she's ahead of the game. And then later on in the final sequence, you know, she's not. They don't catch her off guard that much. She's, you know. They 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 trap her, don't they? With you know, with the weapons and you know the knife and the gun, and then they turn the back on her for one second, and that's it. Disappears. Yeah, yeah. There you go. They gave her a chance. She's out. She's she's protecting herself. Yeah, she does a bit of judo at one point. It's all good. Um, yeah. You know, say again though. This one, no, it's not just Sydney. You know, Gail is a fantastic character as well. You know, she's 
you know, this uh, on the surface, you know, she's quite shallow. She says, oh, you know, I'm a trashy journalist that's going to win the Pulitzer Prize for this story. But she's the only one who analysed the, uh, oh, I can't, I can't remember the name of the guy who was uh, framed for killing Sydney's mum. Cotton weary. Cotton weary. Yeah. yeah. So you know, she was the only one who really investigated that, and she, you know, she's got this this human side to her as well as this, you know, shallow, fame hungry bit. Mm-hmm. And like, she's great. And then then you get Dewey, who's you know this sweetheart, and you know that the bit with the cop where he's you know the the other guy smoking and he's just there holding an ice cream is brilliant. Yeah, really good. Really good. You know, inspired. Yeah, I love that bit with the ice cream. I suppose he's eating it weird as well. No, you just like the whole film just set up for him to just chuck the ice cream on the ground and stand on it like he's putting a fag out, doesn't he? But he just eats a lovely ice cream. Just eats it. Eats a lovely ice cream. Why would you waste good ice cream? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, No, you're right. And of course, um, I mean, going through the characters, um, Matthew Lillard's amazing. Um, I mean. Well, I think that sort of take. Well, actually, it's something I was going to talk about next. Actually, was like that. This film is just a wonderful who done it, and mm-hmm. I like my horror films that have an element of that in. You know, uh, Psycho's. You know, another one that's a bit the same. And you know, the the whole film is it's so obvious. Billy's the killer. Just look at him. You know, <laughs> but <laughs> the idea that they gave it two killers. Like through this this whole idea of a who done it up, like, and allowed them to to do stuff like that, you know, to make it obvious that Billy's the killer, but it's it's not him, but it is him, you know, and it's mm. like wonderful, wonderful writing. Yeah, yeah, because and they put the red herring in of the dad as well, so you know that's and told you it was a red herring because it was obvious Billy's the killer the whole time. Yeah, because Randy Randy calls out everything. Really, I mean, unfortunately, to me, that becomes an annoying trope later on, um, in the sort of second and certainly the third one. Um, I think that where this one does it well that that those others don't is that when they do that, you know, that thing saying, "Oh, these are the rules," and you know, this this is a red herring and stuff. Like they don't sort of flat out tell you like this is the film this is what we're doing mm, yeah they're, exactly. they're saying, if we went this way this is what you know this is what the motivation would be you know if randy is the killer there's his motivation for you that, yeah that he doesn't have one you know and it's like it, it plays with that instead of uh there was a there was a film called uh see how they run that came out last year which wasn't a horror film it was just a, a standard who'd done it and it's something that a lot of other films have done, but I'm, this is the last one I saw do it, so I'm picking on it. And then it it just went, this is what's going to happen. First act, this is what's going to happen in the last act. And, you know, you might not notice it if you're not you're paying close enough attention, but it's something that screenwriters often do when they're not as smart as they think they're being. And it's a fine line to draw. And this one gets it, absolutely perfect mm-hmm. in that it it tells you at times but also again just tells you we could be doing this and it's it's perfect it keeps you on your toes but also you know gives you the foreshadowing lets you know you know what's coming what to expect no no you're right um and i think that i mean this is irrelevant to what you just said but i've got my points written down so i'm just going to keep going with it um <laughs> One of the things I wanted to say about um, Stu and Billy is I don't necessarily, I can't necessarily say that this is my opinion because I've I've heard it before, but I think a lot of what I've heard is that the scares coming from Billy and Stu is because um, they're just two guys, you know, there's nothing supernatural about them at all. They, They haven't had a bad upbringing, you know, they're not, technically psychopaths you know or at least they, they don't show that so they're just these two guys who've gone kind of nuts and 
you do feel for Stu to a degree because he is, you know, later on when he says that his motivation was peer pressure, you sort of genuinely feel that, that it was his motivation, <laughs> that he just wanted to be cool for Billy. Um, I mean, he's, yeah. he is a little nuts and he wants to sort of have this big character for himself. But, and I think it's supposed to, come off as a comedy moment for me, for, for me. I feel entirely sorry for Stu when he um, he says, my mom and dad are going to be so mad at me. Like, it, like I say, it comes off as a comedy moment, but I genuinely feel bad for him because I think that I think I always feel like he's been drawn into this when it probably he was just you know, what I did. I think the whole you know that whole idea of what you know what you were just talking about. It plays into probably what a lot of you know a lot of Gen Xers at the time would have been feeling. You know because there's always that thing, isn't there, that your parents or, or the media tells parents they should be worried about that's totally harmless. You know, mm. uh, you know for, for my generation, it was you know video games. It's playing Grand Theft Auto. You know, oh, it's going to turn you all into psychopaths and you know, the people that sort of were watching screen, probably a little bit older than, you know, the, the target audience. You know, they were people that that were told scary movies are going to turn them into psychopaths. You know, Michael Myers is going to make them kill people and Freddy Krueger mm. is going to make them kill people. And, you know, it's obviously nonsense, but, you know, the, the characters actually being like that makes it interesting, doesn't it? And it puts that, you know, playing with, with real life, your fears for people. It does. It does. Um, I think, ironically, though, that um, you know, I, th- I think this film actually did spawn the odd um, copycat killer. Um, you know, about Scream Two. <laughs> oh, was it Scream Two that? Oh, yeah. No, I mean, um, in real life. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I, you know, I, I think. I, I don't think it was exactly like exactly like that. I think it was drawn out a bit by the media as being, you know, like. Oh, this is related to this. Um, so. I think that people, and I, I don't want to get all sociology on everyone because I'm I'm not studying. I'm completely layman, but <laughs> yeah, you know, I I always kind of think that people that do that, you know, once they get to that point, they're going to do that anyway. They're just sticking a different, you know, mask on from what it would be some other time. You know, you, you've. A scary movie is not going to turn someone into a killer, you know. No, a lot of real life socio political things are going to turn someone into a killer, or you know, all, all sorts of, of other reasons. But you know, a scary movie will just play a very small aesthetic part of that at some point later down the line, yeah, yeah. No, you're right, and potentially, even if someone did cite it as, um you know, their influence, there's, in all likelihood, it's not the movie, it's them. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I don't know what else you've got to say about it. Uh, so I think my my last thought, I think, for Scream is that, for me, I, I think that it's real brilliance lies in that it ticks, it sort of has a foot in every genre, you know, it's you know obviously a horror film, but it's very funny. You know, it's a, a satire, isn't it? And it's also got this quite sweet until it turns into a melodrama between Sydney and Billy, isn't it? You know, that there's this struggling team relationships, neither of them can quite express how they're feeling and that they're awkward and say stuff that they shouldn't. And you know, it, it's you know, it takes a lot of boxes in that regard for mm. for a very wide audience. You know, th- there's something in it for everyone. Yeah, yeah. No, if you can stomach all the murders. It's good. <laughs> which are very good, which are very good. Um, I have to say, I think my best kill in that is the cameraman. I really like that. It comes out of nowhere. Um, and yeah. the, he also, he's the one that you really think, oh, he yeah, really, he didn't deserve he that. He really didn't deserve that. He just wanted to eat his knickknacks in peace. He did. He Filmed did. some teenagers without the consent. 
Well, yes. Oh, maybe he did deserve it. Um, ah, he did set up the camera. Courtney Cox did. Yeah, well. Um, oh, that's an interesting thing, actually. Um, that delays a really interesting way of doing things. I've never seen anything like that before. The fact that he was he's watching everything on a delay and then you've sort of got this idea that you can see Ghostface on the TV, but then you're going, hang on a second, he's 30 seconds behind here, so where the fuck is he? Did this movie come out before or after Speed? Ooh, I do not know. What year was Speed? 94. Uh, Keanu got in first. That was looped footage, though. Okay. <laughs> oh, um, wait. Well, the only thing for me to say then is that, yes, this is the movie that the podcast got its name from because uh, Billy says um, movies don't create psychos. They make psychos more creative. And uh, that was where I got the name from. There Um, we go. And also, just chiming in with what we we said earlier. Well, what did we say? Scary movies don't make people kill people. Oh, yes. Very true. Yes. Um, yes, that's true. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Wow. It's not a meta, really. We've meted ourselves. Um, so, unfortunately, we didn't get any Facebook comments because, again, it was a bit of a bit of a late one. Um, but I imagine everybody loved it. Um, so, I've got a 7.4 on IMDb. 80% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 4 out of 5 in Letterboxd. So, That's good. That's high scores, aren't they, then? Yeah, yeah very, very good, yeah. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give my rating. But I, I, I really, even though I've already said that, I really feel like I have to... I, I almost want to apologise to the movie for thinking it was bad. Um because I, I was definitely influenced by the newest movie and I had it in my head that that's what this movie was. Um, lots of people sitting around deconstructing movies. Um, and I don't know where I had got that from. Cause like I say, this movie isn't that uh, it's just a, it's just a treat of a slasher movie that, that says, Oh, by the way, here, here are the, here are the thing, here are the, the things that you already know. So yeah, it's a it's a creative psychopath without a doubt, and I'm really I'm really really glad that we got to watch it back because um, I thought I was going to be barreling in with a shit because I, I don't know I don't know how I'd given myself this memory of it being a worse film than it is. Anyway, creative psychopath. <laughs> yeah, not no surprising that that I'm going to be in agreement with you on that. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm. Think I need to rewatch the uh, the one from last year because I I remember you know really enjoying it so I'm... Mm. yeah I... maybe I need to take some of your criticisms on for it and have a have another look. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I, I've been known to be very wrong. I um... think a lot of the time as well. You know, you get a, you get a film just you know in the wrong mood for you. Yes, that's true. Yeah. And sometimes you think something's quite shit when actually it's quite creative psychopath. Yes, it can be. I certainly find sometimes just talking about it is uh, makes it makes it a better film, <laughs> uh, especially when you can get someone else's point. Uh, yeah, so there you go. That was the filling. That was the delicious, delicious ghost-faced filling. Ghost-faced filling. Uh, yeah, why not? I like it. <laughs> why not? So what we're going to try and do here is we're going to try and um, reverse the last two questions that we normally ask people. So, yeah, so we're going to take some of those questions and uh, try and reverse them. So we're going to say, what horror film could you turn into a non-horror film? Um, And, well, I'm going to go for Christine. Uh, So just just a a lad gets a car and just has a nice time. Well, a lad gets a car. As he fixes the car up, he himself becomes fixed up. Um, he finds himself a nice girlfriend. Life is good. That's that's beautiful. That's very sweet. Yes, I thought that was nice. Uh, yeah, so good old Arnie. I really hope he uh, 
I really hope that that happens for him, except that it won't. <laughs> I've I've not gone sweet for mine. I've gone quite sad for mine. Oh, that's a shame. So I'm going with A Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh. Because I think there is a very sad film <laughs> that, that could be told. So my, my thinking for it would be is that, uh, you know, Freddy Krueger is... Uh, you know, child molester, you know, he's child killer, you know, something unspeakable for, you know, he's committed these crimes. And like in the, the film, the parents get together and they kill him, they, you know, mob justice because he escapes court. And, you know, I think that there would be, a, you know, a film there with this group of people. How, how would they handle that? You know, mm-hmm. we, you know we kind of get the idea that, you know what? You know, uh, I can't. The the main girl's mum, whose name I've forgotten. Uh, you know, she she's turned to drink. Nancy's mum. Nancy's mum has you know has turned to drink. Uh, while her dad seems quite unfazed by it, you know. Mm. And you know how how would other people think? You know, some would probably feel fine because you know feel that they did the right thing. You know, some would think we did the right thing, but is it the right thing with mob justice? And, you know, some others could be completely destroyed by it. And I just think it would make this really sort of quite depressing character study about this group of people that are being haunted by their own sins about what they did to, to this guy. Yeah. Well, yeah. So that, that's the nightmare. The nightmare is, is their memories. Yeah. That's pretty awful. Mind you, was a child. I do that, don't I? I have a habit of this. It was a child, and I said, "Fuck him." Well, yeah, but that's that's where the problem comes from, you know. (laughs) I don't think the world's going to to lose sleep over you know a dead child molester, but at the same time, we we have laws for a reason. Yeah, is murder ever right? Yes. No. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Oh, lovely. So. The last question, if I can try and word it in a way that makes sense, is, well, I guess a scary movie that wasn't scary. Uh, that makes yeah. sense, doesn't it? What, what's a, a non-scary move, mo- moment from a scary movie that wasn't scary but should have been scary? Yeah. Um, I don't know that I can come up with a moment um, but one of the movies that we that um that I did with Laura, well, not one of the movies, the movie that I did with Laura called "I See You," um, had so much more potential than it delivered. Um, yeah, I- that that film for me was uh, like the the writer had clearly done too much cocaine. You know, he was <laughs> he went crazy in the last act. Um, yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying about it wasting its potential because of that. I remember saying to Laura that it does this brilliant thing where in the middle of the film it takes a flick and you start seeing the events of the movie from another point of view. But what really bugged me about it was that it flips into like a found footage thing, which is cool, but then it stops doing that and it just ends up it's a very, very convoluted plot towards the end. And it's like really, really weird. Um, and yeah, it should, it could have been brilliant. Um, and I think, I think there's room somewhere down the line for someone to do that for, for it to, you know, flip, not genres, but um, subgenres in the middle of a movie. But I think that'd be really cool. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think you're, you're right with that. I agree with you on this. But uh, yeah, that was that was that was the one for me that had so much more potential than it delivered. Um, however, Laura was a lovely guest, and uh, we're going to have to get her back on soon to do zombies because she was a big old zombie fan. Um, so we'll definitely have to do Dawn of the Dead or something. I think. Lovely. Well, I think then for me, I'm coming back to Thirteen Ghosts. No, right. Yeah. It's, I mean, the film, you know, it's, I didn't think it was particularly scary at any point anyway, but 
I was always waiting for the moment where they put the glasses on, you know, these glasses that allow them to see ghosts and just have one scare someone. Right. And I never got that scare. <laughs> never throughout the whole film. It was so easy to put in and they couldn't do it. And it really annoyed me. So it's it's a non a scary movie moment that should have been there. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. wasn't. No, you're right, actually. You're totally right. That movie had so much more potential to be scary than it was. Um Oh, we we like potential. We want we want to unlock more potential in these movies. I think. Um, oh, there you go. Then we've done it. We've we put the final slice of pita or whatever weird sandwich we decided we were making this year. This year, yeah, it's been a year, a whole year of creative psychopaths. I'm not going to be too mushy because I've done it already, but. Thanks to everyone who's listened. Uh, thanks, of course, again to Matthew. Um, you know, yes, thank you, me. If I'm, I suppose I should give out uh, an award for best guest, which I guess I'll, I guess I'll just give to you. <laughs> well, I mean, oh, I I'll, I'll give an award for best host, and I'll also give that to me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, very uh, good. You, you've you had a stellar year, Mark. I think you should be very proud of, uh, of everything you've done. Yes, I've, I've never been so consistent at anything in my entire life. Um, if I wasn't on this every week, I would be listening to it every week. So, Oh, good. I'm, I'm glad. Uh, right, yeah. So anyway, anyway let's, let's wind this down now. Um, so next week we should be doing Ghost Watch. I know we told you we were going to be doing Ghost Watch, but we didn't get to do Ghost Watch because unfortunately Gordon was ill, but hopefully he won't be and we'll be able to get to Ghost Watch. Um, uh, but apart from that, you know, follow all the social medias, Facebook again, the group's getting bigger and bigger. And, um, you know, I'm going to start arranging some watch parties on there, which will be fun. Instagram. I'm going to try and do better with. <laughs> and um, if you want to follow me on Letterboxd, I am. Let's see. What is my name on Letterboxd? It uh, is CP Podcast, I believe. C CP underscore podcast. And I have been very consistent at making sure that I fill out all the films that I've been watching. Um, so you can go on there and see what I'm see what I'm doing. Yeah, I'm I'm on there as well, so you can find me. Uh, I, you know what? I don't even know my letterbox name, but I, I I'm friends with Mark on it, so just find CP underscore podcast, and you'll find me from there. You will, you will, and uh, yeah, you can follow us both. See what see what we're watching. Um, yeah, lovely. Right, let's say bye then. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye.